world. My name is Jesse Van Maurick, and this is Working Wisely, a podcast from Workstreams.ai about the nature of work and how it's changing the way we live, think, and engage with others. Long story short, more and more of us are knowledge workers in an increasingly post-industrial marketplace, which means that our ideas, our insights, and our strategic approaches to how we work are becoming at least as important as the actual labor that we can produce. Tech is freeing us from the factory floor and to some extent even the traditional office, but human brains, bodies, economies, and our expectations are still in a frantic state of transition. So I'm going to be talking to a range of people on a lot of timely topics on this podcast, but all of it is ultimately in service to helping you not just work more purposefully or efficiently, but also in service to you having a healthier and happier work-life balance. There are a lot of wellness podcasts out there. There are a lot of work-related life hack podcasts out there. But we at Workstreams do wholeheartedly believe that neither of these topics deserve to be discussed in isolation, since one so undeniably affects the other. A little bit about me and my own working life. I'm a UX designer at Workstreams.ai, which is a company behind a cutting-edge task management tool for Slack that helps people set priorities, collaborate, and get things done. We can talk more about that in another episode, but for now, check out workstreams.ai if you want to find out more. Before working here, I freelanced as a designer and a UX writer in Berlin for about four and a half years, so I have an appreciation for both the traditional nine-to-five and the more nomadic life of a remote worker and the uh, cowboy economy that can sometimes accompany it. Working as a designer on task management tools means that all of my day-to-day work concentrates on analyzing and improving the nature of work itself, which gets a little meta, but it's also why I'm so excited to begin the journey of hosting this particular podcast. That journey begins with a fascinating guy who goes by the name of Roland Tiefenbrunner, a specialist when it comes to voice user interface design and agile methodologies in the tech sector. Roland has an engineering background, but a love affair for the world of Agile, which led him to help assemble a software that was later acquired by the second largest city in his native Austria in order to reduce parking congestion. Since then, he's worked as a scrum master and Agile coach and currently consults on an array of unique voice interface projects. I talk with him a little bit about how his work experience informs how he goes about solving problems and what motivates him to do what he does so passionately. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Roland Tiefbrunner. So, Roland, my understanding is that you started a startup of your own many years ago in the second largest city in Austria, and then it ended up being acquired by that city um, in a very short amount of time. Can you can you just go through that process for me just a little bit in summary? Uh, yeah, uh, in the very end, the software we developed was acquired by the, as you mentioned, Graz, the, the second biggest city. Um, the process was mainly like having, figuring out what idea, uh, what problem is the, the city or people are facing right now, and then focusing on the main problem we want to solve, and then trying to figure out how we can validate that problem as fast as possible. So we were from the very first day trying to get out of the building and validate our assumptions and hypotheses. The problem we wanted to solve was um, finding parking spaces early, even before you uh, got into your car. Mm-hmm. And the idea of creating more parking spaces was to use existing ones. So. It was like Airbnb for parking spots. Airbnb for parking spots. Yeah. Okay, so use what's already idly there to bring value. Exactly, and those people can actually rent them for whatever amount of money, and then other people can reserve them 
before okay. going into the car, actually. Okay. But the city of San Francisco didn't buy Airbnb. So why did it, why did Cots want to buy, uh, buy you guys? <laughs> uh, well, they already had some similar solution, which was about, um, showing, uh, permanent spots, um, you could rent, like in a garage or whatsoever. And uh, then we talked to them. We got some connections and had the opportunity to talk to like, um, the guy who is in charge. And yeah, he said it's a nice idea. He wants it to also have this, uh, kind of visualization and everything. And he wanted to support like a small startup from cuts. Okay. So it sounds like there's two components. One, it's a problem any city faces, parking, traffic. They yeah, want to be exactly. involved in it. Two, even cities are not immune to uh, the need to appear uh, entrepreneurial or successful or modern or whatever you want to call it because that attracts investment and people and ideas. Am I, am I right? Yeah, that's pretty much sums it up, yeah. Okay. So then, I mean, what's interesting about that is that means you have a general insight on sort of the, the life cycle of a startup to some extent in its early stages. So Very early stages. Yeah, so I mean, yeah very early stages, yeah. but fair enough. A lot of people are in that situation. They have questions. I mean, how, how should an early stage startup up set up a process to be productive you obviously figured out how to do that because you you had a thing that wasn't just an idea it became something and it became integrated into another another entity's processes so how i'll, I'll say the question again like how how could you how do you set up a process to be it productive to the point where somebody else sees value in your startup yeah i mean all of us were already familiar with those agile terms and we had some experience or at least theoretically with this whole lean startup movement where it's about building, um, a product first or focusing on the problem you want to solve actually and then validating that quickly. We had a plan in mind. So we had a clear vision. I mean, we had a deadline at, at this part. So we had something. We needed a solution that works. Um, First, we prioritized or summarized the features that needs to be there. And then we defined the level of automation, you know, like um, some stuff you can do manually, some stuff you need to fully automate. And based on that, we prioritized the tasks. Uh, so we split up the process in terms of like what's in progress, what needs to be done, what needs testing, what needs review. So it seems like your experience from doing that was what first got you into agile and agile methods. Is that correct? Well, it started even earlier. Already during university, the, the classes were quite uh, interesting to me. And at my first job, we actually already had an agile environment. We were like teams, team, four teams of 20 people. Okay. Um, where we did Scrum back then already. Okay. And then you've done a lot of other things since then. I mean, you've worked as an agile coach. You have an engineering background. Currently now in your day-to-day -day life, what's like a, what's a daily routine for you as a, as a freelancer who's doing voice UI design and also working as a scrum master? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, first thing on Monday, at least I have to prioritize and plan my week. So having different partners to work with, um, also, um, requires to handle the overhead in terms of switching costs. Uh, therefore it's always important to prioritize the week, prioritize the month. And reduce the switching between the different topics as much as possible. Okay. So what, what time in the morning does such a process start? Well, depends on the person. For me, it starts rather late. So it's right around nine, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then do you work with people globally or is it mostly in Austria or what, what's, what, how many countries are you, are you talking to in a given week? Well, no, it's just two countries, actually. I have um, partners in Austria and in Germany, actually. Yeah. Okay, very cool, very cool. 
And then what brought you into the world of agile methodologies to begin with? I was always interested in the process part. And I myself not, am not really like into bureaucracy. Uh, therefore, the agile process itself made sense a lot. Is, is Austria a great place to be someone who's not into bureaucracy? Uh, at least it's better than Germany, I heard. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Cool, cool. So then when you're, when you're working in these methodologies, do you, do you like to work with people who work based on priorities? They work down a list or they set hard deadlines and, and try to stick to them? Do you have a preference, priority or deadline? Uh, both, I guess. I think it's the priority is the most important because we always, everyone in, of us has the same amount of time and it always comes back to priority. So you can always focus just on one thing, um, one thing at once. And therefore priority is definitely the most important, uh, part. But still due dates, they at least force you to somehow think about um, or urge into getting out and getting things done. And since you did work at an early stage startup and, and one that had some success, I mean, in your opinion, how should an early stage startup set up processes in order to be more productive? Well, the processes should be set up as it fits them, obviously. So it's like n no one rule for everyone. Okay. Um, but the focus should definitely be on learning and getting outside of the, the building. That should be definitely focus number one and the priority number one. So having like a prioritization of your hypothesis, what works, who are our customers, what channels have, do we have to address them? And that kind of stuff. But yeah. those sound like those things could all be sources of a lot of problems that might interfere with my beautiful idea. Uh, yes, that's the whole point there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So would you say it's like without painting too broad a brushstroke, it's better to sort of fall in love with the problem instead of the solution? Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good, um, how to describe it actually. Yeah. Okay. So if, if you're trying to put together a high performing team or just find one to work on or with, do estimations have a role to play there or? In my opinion, not. No, it's like uh, estimations have their place if you base decision on them uh, maybe in the project world where you have like calculation or whatsoever okay tell people who maybe don't know exactly in what context you mean estimations uh, estimations in terms of okay we have a set of features or a set of tasks and then we need um, a rough like obviously estimation of how long that that feature set needs to be implemented so the problem with estimations is that it's always possible to implement something the question is always actually how much time you want to invest in it okay so just because you've made something doesn't mean it's good doesn't mean you've, you've made the yeah, right and, uh, and and what i often hear is that we have to improve our estimations which makes no sense you you want to improve your process you want to <laughs> you want to improve the product but like improving your overhead is like yeah yeah then you're just thinking about thinking yeah exactly okay okay got you got you well, I mean, okay, so you've also worked as a scrum master. You're currently doing voice UI a lot now for some pretty cool clients in Germany. Yeah. I mean, and you've been an agile coach. So, I mean, when you say these things, you have a, kind of a litany of different vantage points on which to look at them, any lights to shine on the same idea or the same method. So then, like, because people talk about agile a lot, it's a buzzword, it's something people appreciate, but not everybody spends a lot of time evaluating on their own. They probably just join the social dynamic of a company and hope they know what's going on. Or some people have very opinionated ideas about it. It's a, it's a, it's a very interesting topic. There's a mm. rabbit hole yeah. that can, that people get into, especially in the, the tech and startup world. 
how do you define an agile workflow in its purest form? What qualities does it have? That agile these days um, has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people, and therefore it's quite hard to say what's like the agile way or the perfect agile way for a startup whatsoever. Um, try rather to focus uh, on the problem you want to solve, like how should our process look like? How do we want to interact with our clients? How do we want to interact or integrate the UX or UI part into our process? Okay, so it's it's process over product, problem over solution. Be open to new information, changing the course of what you're doing, but have a structure in yeah, place yeah. that I mean, you can operate off. Yeah, of. I mean the, the the first the first and most important principle it's like people over processes. So rather focus on the, the team and the people you have in and then try to figure out everything else together. Okay. Okay. And then when you did that as a, as an agile coach, what would you, what would you say to people to kind of encourage that point of view or what, what were, what did you ever have like any anecdotal advice or, or things that, that you found were effective? Uh, to be honest, no, not really. I was rather, um, focusing on learning by doing and, show them through different kind of exercises what it actually means and giving them the, the opportunity to find out themselves. Okay, so you like to learn things by doing things. I, I'm, I'm, I'm similar. I think anybody who does UX has to kind of learn to like that if they don't love it already. And so your, your thing is to provide basically situations that give other people the opportunity to do the same thing rather than being the teacher that comes down from the mountaintop and, and does it, does it on your own. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it makes sense at the very beginning that you give to show them what is out there and what the possibilities are, because most of them actually, uh, it's obviously hard to, to oversee the boundaries your whole mindset is in. Mm -hmm. Um, therefore it makes sense at the very beginning to give them like impressions and whatsoever of the possibilities. And then you have obviously to let them figure it out themselves and learn them be there if they are, have questions and whatsoever. Okay. And then do you typically work more with, with, uh, larger corporates or smaller startups or where, where do you, where have you spent most of your time? Uh, I've never been in larger corporates. Actually, it's, uh, more like from smaller startups to companies to 100 people. Okay. And yeah. you, and you seem interested in that zone in particular. I mean, helping people reach, reach scale. It seems like is where, where, where you get involved a lot. Is that fair? Not so much. I could be wrong. I could be totally yeah, wrong. Yeah, no, no, it's not so much. Yeah. Do you you really focus in on early stage startups, or or is it more just about working closely with a team that you have the chance to kind of get to know people? Is what's I, I guess that's a good way of putting it. Do you do you prefer working on teams where you can know everyone, or is it an added challenge to be with uh, maybe there's more than a hundred people or something, and it's and it's more daunting, or it's or it's there's more to manage? Do you have a or maybe you enjoy both. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's for me. It's personally more about working. The question to whom to. Um, for me, it's about um, the people I work with. So that's one big advantage for me personally uh, as a freelancer that you can decide by yourself. Um, you can decide your um, the people you want to work with, the clients mm -hmm. or the partners actually. Um, and what I really appreciate is the opportunity to actually make a difference and to get to know the people um, and to have someone there who is as um, same-minded, you know, that you have at least someone you, who shares your um, approach and your values. Yeah, yeah, you're on the same frequency with somebody. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I, I, I freelance for about four and a half years and um, I, I always really appreciated that one person at the company who I sort of felt like had my back. Yeah, yeah, totally, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's so you, you, you at least need one of those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ideally, everybody, but you know, yeah, you need at least yeah. one, and it's never everybody. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's good. That's good, though. I mean, um, what made you choose to freelance? Was it a was it something that sort of happened, or or was that a, like a specific moment where you said, "I I want to freelance now"? Yeah, no, it's for me. It's just happened. I mean, obviously, when I founded the startup, uh, like a couple of years back, um, it seems like it always drew, put pushed me into that direction of being like on my own or doing my own stuff. Um, and the second time now that I'm freelancing is it just happened actually. Um, okay. I, I started with the Amazon Alexa uh, skill building. I got into the Amazon reward program, started to earn some um, money on that. And then I had, I moved from one city to the next and then I just decided, okay, if I quit my job anyway, then why not? All right. Yeah. Go start for freelancing. It. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. And then how do you structure your time, um, as a freelancer compared to when you were working full time or being an agile coach or, or many of the other things you've done? Yeah. It's, um, if, as I'm working with, um, several partners, um, there is also some overhead involved. Therefore, uh, I need to, uh, plan at least once for myself per week. And then I have to plan together with the people I'm work with, um, again. So, um, yeah, it's quite tricky to, to reduce the overhead costs of switching between the, the topics, but it's feasible. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what you were saying about, about overhead and, as it concerns project management, uh, the other day. Uh, yeah, my, my opinion on, on project management is that it's an activity that is overhead for itself as project management per se does not add any value. Um, I mean, it makes sense that you need it as long as you, you have two people working on the same idea. You need some sort of communication and you need to share your ideas, your mental model. And therefore, um, the overhead is needed. Uh, but the more people you have, the more overhead you get. Right. So in the perfect world, there would be no project management software because everyone would just know everything that's going on. Yeah, exactly. That would be <laughs> the best. Just like in the perfect world, we just teleport places yeah. and don't need a car. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. We, need, we are waiting for the brain interface. Yeah, so. we're waiting for the brain interface. In the meantime, though, <laughs> in the meantime, are there tools you like using when you're uh, working with people from a distance or, or remotely? or? or um, yeah, I'm actually quite fond of the, the G Suite. They offer like a lot of products. The G Suite? Uh, yeah. Cool. G Suite. Cool. Um, uh, I use them regularly. Slack, obviously. I mean, it's the best, um, uh, communication tool there is at the moment, in my opinion. Why, why is that? Um, I don't know, honestly. It's just, I have the feeling that Slack is the only tool capable of changing the communication culture within a company to a better and it's a feeling that it creates from how you've interacted with it yeah it's like super fast it, it simulates um, real communications really good in my opinion like having a quick chat with someone or having a quick chat with a group talking about a specific topic uh, so i think that's that's the main value of slack of course they have lots of features which are really helpful in that uh, kind of stuff but the culture is the culture changing part is for me the most interesting part. Yeah. Okay, the culture changing part, which is sort of a different way of looking at work itself. Yeah, exactly. Okay, nice, nice. And then, as someone who's worked in you know two very different disciplines, you have an educational background that's heavy in engineering, mm -hmm. and then you developed an interest in in agile methods, uh, tech, 
Um, and then you've gotten into voice UI, very specific. How do you, how do you, what brings those things together? Like what motivates you to do the kind of work that you do? Cause many people prefer, you know, and no fault to them because people like to specialize and they are great at it and they're supportive, but a lot of people do stay in a silo and they had, you know, there's different good and bad things about that. You have not done that. What, what motivates you to seek these things out? Yeah. Like you said, I, I wouldn't even judge it as it doesn't make a difference. It's just about who you are and um, what you're interested in. And for me, it just naturally happens, um, that I'm get bored quite quickly <laughs> as soon as I fi- figure it out of, uh, for myself. I don't have like the, how to say it, um, the goal to master it in like a perfect way. That's not necessary for me. It's not, it's like that, not like good or bad. It's just the way I work or function as a human being. Okay. Um, so I see things I want to learn learn them then i teach myself and try to figure it out and then move on to the next thing if necessary or if i like it i stick there for several years like um for the whole agile topic it's like um like the last i don't know like six six years were like with that topic yeah cool cool so to go back to the 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 feeling so okay that's that's a while like going back to the slack thing you said that you 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 think it's one of the best things out there right now because of a feeling when you look at what you do i mean what brings you the most personal satisfaction about what you're working on right now the most personal satisfaction is yeah yeah working on it right now we're like working on it right yeah now. okay that's like um for me there is no not much differentiation between work and um, like hobbies or life or whatsoever because it's just the stuff i am doing right now i just like doing them uh-huh. And so I'm, yeah, like glad to be that way. So be in a, be in the flow state where you're engaged, whatever you're yeah, doing, exactly. be, be motivated, be yeah. excited. I mean, of course, there's always some stuff you have to do, especially as a freelancer when it's about taxes or whatsoever. Or clients. <laughs> no, don't say that. No, they're fantastic. Yeah, they're obviously, fantastic. especially those in Berlin. Yeah, we're yeah. your client. Yeah, we, we yeah. like you. Yeah. Um, so we're the ones that have your back. We're the ones that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, to sum it up, actually, there, there is for me, it's like the same. It's just fun to work at stuff and that's enough, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting, getting stuff done and, and also enjoying your life. Yeah, exactly. Well, perfect. Well, enjoying life while getting stuff done. Enjoying life while getting stuff done. Even better. Well, Roland, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time and, uh, getting your, perspective thank you very much thanks for having me it was a pleasure great take care all right that was roland everyone if you'd like to follow roland and keep an eye on what he's up to you can take a look at the description below for some handles or you can check out our favorite thing he's done lately which is help us with the workstreams.ai voice interface thanks for joining me on episode one and remember everybody get stuff done then go home and enjoy your life i'm jesse van maurick and i'll see you next time (laughs) 